There's a phrase that has been around for a little over 2,000 years. It's a, it's a phrase that we use uh, quite often in our culture, and many cultures use this phrase. In our culture in particular, there's over 25 to 30 songs that have this title. There's whole music albums that are titled, uh, the title of this phrase. There's movies titled this. There are episodes and television shows with this title. It's in books, it's in our conversations, and it's all around us all the time. The writing is on the wall. You know it? The, the writing is on the wall. And when we, we hear that many times, a couple different thoughts come to our, our brains. We think, okay, well, it's something that's actually pretty clear, but there's some people in the situation who aren't understanding. They're not seeing it, but for others, it's very clear. The writing is on the wall. Also tends to have a, a feeling of that something is for sure going to happen, and probably pretty soon. And a lot of times it can have a negative feeling to it with the writing being on the wall. Well, like I said, this has been around for over 2,000 years because it comes from Daniel chapter 5. So as we look through the text today and we, we see what the writing on the wall is in chapter 5 of Daniel, we also want to ask the question of God, what's the writing on the wall that we need to see? So let's read through the text together. Daniel chapter 5. I'll read aloud, you follow along silently, and then we will work through the passage together. Daniel chapter 5. Right away, before I read, you're going to see a name that's different than the names that we have seen over the last few weeks. We're going to have a king, but it's not going to be King Nebuchadnezzar. So let me just quickly say that the context here, roughly 30 to 50 years has passed since what we saw in chapter 4. Not much is mentioned here, but we know historically time has passed. Daniel is now a little bit older. Mr. Ed, would you stand just for a moment, please? Just a little bit older. Many of you, of course, we've seen Caleb standing, the young 17, 16, 15-year-old that we saw Daniel first started his journey in the, in the book here. And then he was a little older as we went through, and now he's just slightly older than that. Slightly, but I don't know about you guys, but man, when I'm, when I'm reading through the text and I see Daniel, this is what I see right here, is this face. Good, thank you. He just looks like Daniel to me, I don't know. So Daniel's probably a little bit older than Mr. Ed is right now, probably in his late 70s, maybe his 80s probably. And there actually have been quite a few different kings of the Babylonian Empire. They've actually, they've, some have come to the throne, and then they're killed by someone else, and then they take the throne, and somebody else kills them, and it's gone back and forth a little bit. And now, King Nebuchadnezzar is actually the king over all of Babylon, but he's not even mentioned in this chapter. Because he has left Babylon, and his son is the one who is ruling in Babylon in this city in particular. And so now you're going to hear about this king and the writing on the wall. Follow along with me. Daniel chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. King Belshazzar made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in front of the thousand. Belshazzar, when he tasted the wine, commanded that the vessels of gold and of silver that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken out of the temple in Jerusalem be brought that the kings and his lords and his wives and his concubines might drink from them. 
Then they brought in the golden vessels that had been taken out of the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem. And the kings and his lords and his wives and his concubines drank from them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver and bronze and iron and wood and stone. Verse 5, immediately, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace opposite the lampstand. And the king saw the hand as it wrote. (laughs) Then the king's color changed and his thoughts alarmed him and his limbs gave way and his knees knocked together. The king called loudly to bring the enchanters and the Chaldeans and the astrologers. The king declared to the wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and shows me the interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or make known to the king the interpretation. Then King Belshazzar was greatly alarmed and his color changed and his lords were perplexed. Verse 10, the queen or queen mother, because of the words that the king and his lords came into the banqueting hall. And the queen declared, O king, live forever. Let not your thoughts alarm you or your color change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods or the holy God. In the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father, the king, made him chief of the magicians, enchanters, Chaldeans, and astrologers. Because an excellent spirit, knowledge, and understanding to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve problems were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will show the interpretation. Verse 13, then Daniel was brought in before the king. The king answered and said to Daniel, "Uh, you are that Daniel, one of the uh, exiles of Judah, whom the king, my father, brought from Judah. I've heard of you, that the spirit of the gods or God is in you, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now the wise men, the enchanters, have been brought in before me to read this writing and make known to me its interpretation, but they could not show the interpretation of the matter. But I have heard that you can give interpretations and solve problems. Now if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, you shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around your neck and shall be third ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, let your gifts be for yourself and give your rewards to another. Nevertheless, I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar your father kingship and greatness and glory and majesty. And because of the greatness that he gave him, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Whom he would, he killed. And whom he would, he kept alive. Whom he would, he raised up. And whom he would, he humbled. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened so that he dealt proudly, he was brought down from his kingly throne and his glory was taken from him. 
Verse 21, he was driven from among the children of mankind and his mind was made like that of a beast and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. He was fed grass like an ox and his body was wet with the dew of heaven until he knew that the most high God rules the kingdom of mankind and sets over it whom he will. And you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, though you knew all this. But you have lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven, and the vessels of his house have been brought in before you, and you and your lords and your wives and your concubines have drunk wine from them, and you have praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which do not see or hear or know. But the God in whose hand is your breath and whose are all your ways you have not honored. Then from his presence the hand was sent and this writing was inscribed. And this is the writing that was inscribed. Mene, Mene, Tekel, and Parson. This is the interpretation of the matter. Mene, God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances, and found wanting. Perez, which is the singular version of Parson mentioned above, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Then Belshazzar gave the command, and Daniel was clothed with purple, and a chain of gold was put around his neck, and a proclamation was made about him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. And that very night... Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was killed. And Darius, or Darius the Mede, received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. Father, be with us as we look at this text now. Teach us by your spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Go back to verse 1. We're going to work through the passage together and see what is going on with the writing on the wall. Like I said, many years have passed. Different kings have come and gone. There is the king. Nabonidus has gone to another city. So his son, Belshazzar, is on the throne. So he decides to give a great feast. Now, friends, what's interesting about this scenario is the Medes and the Persians, that kingdom which was talked about in chapter 2, they've been attacking the Babylonians. This wasn't a a one-night thing. They had been coming after the Babylonians and having quite a few victories. In fact, they were outside the city walls and the city gates as this party happens. There's some historians say that they were actually had been you know, attacking the city but couldn't get in yet because the walls, as we mentioned before, were so amazing. They were so thick. Two chariots could pass by one another. The walls were huge. But they've been attacking and they've been coming, and the young king says, we should have a party. That's the logical thing to do, isn't it? As your kingdom's being attacked, have a party. Why is he doing that? A couple of reasons. He could be doing, as the Apostle Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 15, he could know that his end is coming. So let us eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. But I don't think that's where he's at. doesn't seem to be the case. Seems like he has all the leaders there and he's going to try to encourage them, build them up and say, hey, we've got this. Don't worry about what's going on outside those walls. 
I don't think he sees the writing on the wall. So he makes this great feast for a thousand. Verse two, Belshazzar, when he tasted the wine, commanded that the vessels of gold and of silver, that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, that term father just means it could be, it could be father, but it could be grandfather. It could be down the lineage, one of his relatives. And that's more what this means here as we know that there were other kings. But he's related to Belshazzar. His father had been taken out that his father had taken out of the temple in Jerusalem, be brought that the kings and the lords and his wives and his concubines might drink from them. So then they were brought in, taken out of, and notice the, the writer here emphasizes again, temple. They were taken out of the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem, and then they drank with them. And then in verse four, it says, they drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver and bronze and iron and wood and stone. They took the holy things from the temple of God and decided that they were going to drink and have a party and then worship the created things instead of the one who's created everything. You want to talk about a slap in the face? That's what that is. And I think he was doing it to remind everybody, our kingdom even took down the Jews and took down the God of the Jews. Look, we have all of his stuff here, so we're going to party with it. Boy, that's a mistake. But, but let me speak to you just for a moment that maybe we're not too far away from Belshazzar. Here's what I mean by that. How often do we use the holy things that God has given us? Our very lives, our jobs, your gifts, your spiritual gifts, your talents, all that God has given us, how often do we use those for unholy things instead of for holy things and raising praise to our God. So many times the things that he has given us we use with worshiping false idols. Many times the idol of self. I want to build myself up so I use the things that the Lord has given me to make others look at me and how great I am. And we use the holy things of God for unholy things. That's what he's doing here. And we need to be careful that we're not doing the same thing. So they're praising the, the gods of gold, silver, bronze, iron, and stone. But immediately, verse 5, immediately the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace opposite the lampstand. And the king saw it as it wrote. They've done excavations and they do know that the, the kingdoms of that time, of course, they had these walls with plaster on them. But can you imagine for a moment, you're having a good time, you think everything's great, and then fingers or a hand appears and starts writing on the wall. You might have said, this wine is strong. <laughs> but this is the hand of God, if you will. And so he sees it and there's a lampstand and you can just kind of just picture, he's, what is going on over there? Then the king's color changed and his thoughts alarmed him. His limbs gave way and his knees knocked together. Can you picture it? The, the fear that he has. A good understanding of this as well, if you were looking at the kind of original language in the Aramaic here, would actually be that he soiled himself. He knew something was up. He knew something was up. He didn't understand what it said, but just so you know, when a hand like that appears and starts writing things, not a good thing. He gets that much, for sure. So right away, what does he do? <laughs> the king calls loudly. He's shouting 
Bring me the enchanters and the Chaldeans and the astrologers. Give me, give me all the wise men. I need them all to come from Babylon. And whoever, whoever can read this, if anyone in here, if you can read this, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you this big gold, gold necklace. Remember, gold was tied to the kingdom of Babylon, the head at the statue in chapter 2, made of gold. Nebuchadnezzar later, when he makes a statue, makes it of gold. You're going to have this gold necklace. And I'm going to put you, a, a robe on you with purple, which is kind of royalty, and you're going to be third in the kingdom. He couldn't give him second in the kingdom. He was second in the kingdom. Dad was number one in the kingdom. You can give him third. I'll give you third. Anybody can come in. I'll give you third in the kingdom. Come on in and tell me what this thing says. Verse 8, then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or make known to the king its interpretation. Then King Belshazzar was greatly alarmed and his color changed and his lords were perplexed. So then what happens, verse 10, the story continues on, the queen, and this is not his wife, the queen, because we actually know his wives and everybody was already in there partying. This is the queen mother. This is probably his mother or another woman who had been in the kingdom a long time, part of the royalty. Some had thought maybe Nebuchadnezzar's wife, but it seems like it's too long. It seems like she had died by then. Maybe his mother. But she comes in, the queen mother, because of the words that the kings and his lords had said, she came into the banqueting hall and the queen declared. Here's what she says to him. And notice she's kind of comparing Nebuchadnezzar to him. I don't think he's the best ruler. Think about this guy. What had he done? He's done nothing. He's just on the throne. Nebuchadnezzar was the one who did everything. He's now here. So, O king, live forever. Let not your thoughts alarm you or your color change. Stop freaking out. There's a man in your kingdom in whom the spirit of the holy gods or of the holy God. We talked about this last week, how there's something about Daniel. He has the spirit of God. He's different. And I asked you last week and I'll ask you again, is there something different about you? Do you live your life? Does the Spirit of God overflow in such a way that you look different than the rest of the world? Or do you look the same? There's a man in the kingdom. In the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, remember relative there, your father the king, but he's really putting him in his, in, she's really putting him in his place made him chief of the magicians, enchanters, Chaldeans, and the astrologers. He was, he was the chief of all those. And, and you apparently, you don't even know who he is really. You've put him off somewhere else. Remember, he calls in everybody. Daniel doesn't come. He's just obscure now. He's just out there. For maybe 30 to 50 years, nothing with Daniel. Friends, let me just encourage you for a moment that you may say, I'm not sure if God can use me anymore. Oh, God can use you. God can use you. Something, well, maybe he's retired. That wasn't fully a thing at this time, but he may have been retired, if you will, put aside. Let me encourage some of you in here who are working close to retirement or retired. All that means is you can give full time to the ministry now. That's all that means. It doesn't mean margaritas on the beach. No. Mm-mm. It means serving the Lord all the way to glory. Don't stop short. Don't take it easy. You serve the Lord your God until he takes you home. Daniel possibly has been waiting for more opportunities, being faithful, praying to his God, being faithful each and every day. And as the queen mother continues to talk about in verse 12, she says, this excellent spirit, this knowledge, understanding, he could interpret dreams, he could explain riddles, solve problems. They were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let, I love this, Daniel goes to that name. 
his Hebrew name, be called and he will show you the interpretation. All right, well, King Belshazzar has no other things going for him. So verse 13, then Daniel was brought in before the king. The king answered and said to Daniel, you are that Daniel. Now notice he doesn't say that my father had lifted up. He says one of those exiles from Judah speaking down to him. That pride is still right here. I have heard of you. Oh, you have heard a little bit about him, apparently. I have heard that the spirit of the gods is in you and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now the wise men, the enchanters, have been brought in before me to read this writing and make known to me its interpretation, but they couldn't do it. But I've heard that you can do this. I've heard these things about you. I'm not, I'm not sure you can, but I've heard that maybe you can. So I'll tell you what I'll do, Daniel. If you can explain the interpretation to me, I'll give you the gold around your neck. I'll give you the purple coat. And I'll make you third in the kingdom. Is Daniel for sale? No. Which is great. What a great responses in scripture right here. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, notice, remember how he used to speak to Nebuchadnezzar? He cared for Nebuchadnezzar. There's a different way he's speaking to this guy because there's no chance in this guy's heart that he's going to repent. And Daniel knows what's about to happen to him anyway. Watch this. Let your gifts be for yourself. <laughs> Give your rewards to another. Nevertheless, I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. I'll give you this one for free. I'll gladly tell you what's going to happen. Because remember, he's the one who interpreted the dreams back in chapter 2. He knows the kingdom's coming to an end. This guy's promising the kingdom that's going to end that night. You can be third in the kingdom. <laughs> Daniel's like, oh, ooh, could I? Fancy. Don't be gone tonight. O king, the most high God, look how he refers to the most high, the one who reigns over all. He gave Nebuchadnezzar, your father, kingship and greatness and glory and majesty. He didn't take it. God gives it. It is God who raises up. We've been reminded of this. It is God who puts down. He raises up kingdoms and he puts down kingdoms. Whoever's on the throne, whoever's behind the, the desk in the Oval Office, whoever it is, the Lord has decided that they're allowed to be there. And he's given that to them, and he can take it any moment he chooses. And all these kingdoms are going to pass away, and the kingdom of Christ is coming in its fullness. And because of the greatness that God gave him, all the peoples and nations and languages, they trembled and feared before him. Nebuchadnezzar was given the ability to kill whom he wanted and leave alive those that he wanted. He could raise up and he could put down. But then verse 20 hits, which was a reminder of what we saw last week. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened so that he dealt proudly, he was brought down from his kingly throne and his glory was taken from another. He was driven, of course, from among the children of mankind and his mind was made like that of a beast and his dwelling with the wild donkeys. He was fed grass like an ox and his body was wet with the dew of heaven until he knew, that lasted until he knew that the Most High God rules the kingdom of mankind and sets over it whom he will. Nebuchadnezzar repented. Proud man, definitely. But he repented. 
Will his son do the same? Verse 22, and you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, though you knew all this. Friends, there are many times that we understand things in the Bible. We understand things in the Bible. We know a lot of things about Jesus. We know a lot about following Jesus. We know what we should do. The problem comes in that we don't actually humble ourselves and follow it. He knew all of these things, and he still would not humble himself. Some of you do the same. You know what the scriptures say, but you're too busy worrying about the things of this world. You're too busy worrying about the kingdoms of this world, and you will not humble and follow. If you will not humble yourself, I promise you this, the Lord will humble you. And as he does, my prayer is that you will turn as we see Nebuchadnezzar in the previous chapter, you will turn and repent and do not be like Belshazzar. Verse 23, but you have lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven. Not a great place to be. You're going to pick a fight. I encourage you not to do it with the Lord of heaven. Doesn't go well. And the vessels of his house have been brought in before you and you and your lords and your wives and your concubines, you have drunk wine from them. And you've praised the gods of silver and gold and bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which do not see or hear or know. Oh, how often do we go to things that cannot help us instead of the word of God by the spirit of God. We run to these other places and they cannot help us and they certainly could not help Belshazzar. But listen to this language here. But the God in whose hand is your breath and whose are all your ways you have not honored. Friends, do you hear that? Your breath, every breath, everything you have is in the hand of God. And we find out later in Colossians, which we read, is in the hand of Christ. He's the one holding all things together. Everything about us is because of God's grace. And so we should be a thankful people and certainly not a proud people. And we should honor him. So now we get to the writing. Verse 24, Then from his presence the hand was sent, and this writing was inscribed. And this is the writing that was inscribed, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Parson. And this is the interpretation of the matter. Mene, God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. This is right out of what we saw in chapter 2. Your kingdom is numbered. Friends, your kingdom is numbered. Make sure you understand that your days are numbered. And so like we read before, we want to be like, as the psalmist says, we want to, Lord, teach us to number our days that we may find a heart of wisdom. If I told you right now, every one of you are going to die tomorrow, you would live your life differently than you are right now. Now, some things we need to understand that we have to make plans and do the best that we can. But we need to number our days, know that our days are numbered, and live lives full of wisdom, which means living for the kingdom that lasts forever, not these kingdoms that pass. Not for our kingdom, but his kingdom. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. You picture just the, the balances there, kind of these scales, and you're weighed, and you cannot move the righteousness or holiness of God with your good works. 
You know why? Because you don't have any. I love you. On your own, Paul would say, your good works at best are filthy rags. You're like, well, that's discouraging. It's true. You want to know it's really encouraging? God knew that. God knew that your, your best stuff would stink. And so he sends Jesus. And his stuff is perfect. His works are perfect. He's perfect. And so he comes and he lives that life. Like where you should have been perfect, you weren't. He is. He lives that life for us. And he dies that death that we should have died in our place. And after three days, he rose, defeating sin, Satan, and death because he's perfect. And here's the glorious thing. You get that for free by the grace of God. Doesn't cost you. Here's what you bring to the, the, the conversation, to the negotiation. You bring your sin. And you get to exchange that for the righteousness of Christ. And he gives it to you as you trust in him in faith. So yeah, yeah, the king's been measured. You've been measured. I've been measured. We're all found wanting all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But we have the righteousness of Christ through faith. But, O oh, king, you've been weighed and found wanting. Perez, like I said, that's the singular form of what was said above. Your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians, the next one on the vision that we saw earlier. It's moving from the golden head now to the silver chest and arms, Medes and Persians. That's the message Belshazzar hears. So here's what he does. He falls on his knees and he repents. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. He goes, ooh, okay, if that's, the, if that's what this, this means, quickly, give Daniel the purple clothes. Give him the chain of gold. And I'm going to make a proclamation. He's third in the kingdom. Trying to buy your way out of this, buddy? It's not going to happen. And the text shows us right away. (laughs) That very night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was killed. And Darius, or Darius the Mede, received the kingdom. Received the kingdom. From whom? From God. Being about 62 years old. The writing was on the wall. He couldn't see it. His pride blinded him that he could not see the writing on the wall. Friends, I wonder if this is us. What is around us? What is God teaching some of you who do not know Christ yet and you're trying to trust in yourself, in your own righteousness? The writing's on the wall. You have been weighed and found wanting. You need to trust in Christ today. For those of us who are followers of Christ, what's going on in our lives where the Lord is wanting us to repent and trust in the works of Jesus, trust in the work of the Spirit, go to the Word of God instead of using the holy things that He's given us for unholy things. We need to make sure that we repent. It's very interesting, like I told you at the beginning, the army's outside. They've been attacking the wall over and over and over again. And Belshazzar says, that's okay, we're going to have a party. I'm going to show you that we've dominated the God of the Hebrews, so we're going to be fine. And the writing's on the wall, and he doesn't even know it. He doesn't even see it. And so what happens is outside the kingdom, as history goes, this was right off of 
a river that would flow around. And so they went ahead and diverted the river and the water level sank down. And the king, Darius, and the army outside were able to come right in and they didn't even have to attack and went in and killed them that very night. And historians say that they took the kingdom without even a battle. When the Lord has decided something, like kingdoms are going to rise and kingdoms are going to fall, guess what? It happens. Your king is sovereign, sitting on the throne and working all things for his purposes, for his glory, and for your good because he loves you. Our job, make sure we understand the writing on the wall. Make sure that we tell others, hey, there's writing on the wall. This is going to happen. And repent and follow our king who is worthy. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace. God, help us to see in our lives, Lord, what you are saying to us. Lord, areas where we need to repent, Lord, lead us to that by your spirit. God, help us to trust in Christ alone. For it's his kingdom that has no end. It's his kingdom that rules and reigns forever. And these various kingdoms come and go. And even the ones that we live in now. Help us to live our lives like Daniel, focusing on the kingdom to come. Help us to honor you with our lives. Help us to rest in your sovereignty. And help us to look more like Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.